it actually makes the book yes. seem real worse. You are absolutely correct. This is a terrible infomercial for yes. the book. Hello, welcome to Guide to the Unknown. I'm Kristen. And I'm her little brother, William. And this week we are talking about the two film versions of The Shining, the Stanley Kubrick movie and the Shining miniseries produced by Stephen King. Yes. Quite controversial. Incredibly controversial. Uh, this is a pretty well-known thing at this point, uh, but we haven't really taken a, a, a fine look at this situation. No. In 1980, Stephen King... Uh, uh, the, the, the adaptation of Stephen King's The Shining uh, went into theaters. It was directed by S Stanley Kubrick, mm -hmm. written by Stanley Kubrick, and it is, by all accounts, today considered a masterpiece. Yeah, it's, it's, I would say it's kind of dis considered the definitive version mm. in a way, even though it's based on a book. Even though it's based on a book and it's very different from the book. Insanely different. It is essentially a different story based on the same core concept of a family goes away to a hotel, stays there during the winter, dad goes crazy. Yeah, and from there the paths kind of diverge. Yes. And so because of that, Stephen King was very upset. He, he let it be known. And I really actually kind of respect this. He was like, nah, that's not my story. Right. And like, people love it. Although weirdly at the time I found this out, it was not reviewed very well when it first came out. Yeah, I guess I kind of knew that. Which is interesting. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, what Stephen King would later produce was initially reviewed well, and now history remembers it as a flop. It was reviewed well? Yes, these are inverse stories. Stanley Kubrick's movie was critically panned and then went on to be remembered as a masterpiece. Stephen King's adaptation that he would later produce in 1997, where he wanted to make a version that did stick close to the events of his novel, mm -hmm. was reviewed well on release and pretty quickly forgotten slash uh, regarded as a complete... Pile? Like, oh, a laughable <laughs> catastrophe mess. I find it upsetting, this yeah. movie. It's like sad and disturbing. It, uh, well, those could be good things for a horror movie. No, Danny in in The Shining, the miniseries, is so horribly mistreated. Yes. It bothers me. <laughs> yes. It's not good. I Yeah, but all, it comes from the book. It certainly no, is. No, it sure does. One but... way or another, Stephen King's TV miniseries is closer to the novel. Yeah. And that's the whole point. Stanley Kubrick's adaptation was totally different. Right. Um, so we're going to get into it in full. We're going to leave no stone unturned. Mm -hmm. um, no topiary untrimmed. Yes. After this commercial break. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay. Do you want to start with uh, material stuff, or do you want me to, to tell you a few nonsensical things that I thought about The Shining before we really get into Let's it? Let's do that. That's okay. what I would like. Because there, there's no other place for me to say these things. Yeah. <laughs> Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Okay. 
So it occurred to me, I, I took a look in our archives because we've been doing this show for a long time. Right. And I was like, have we really never done this somehow? Because yeah. I know we've talked about The Shining, mm -hmm. uh, at least in passing. Yes. But I looked and it seems like the only time that we very materially talked about The Shining was way back in episode 20. Oh, wow. Which okay. is six years ago. Was that like, that was like the Stephen King multiverse episode or something, right? I don't even think so. No, oh. I, I think that this was about, there was a documentary produced about The Shining. Yes, Room called, 237. Yes, Room 237, all about the haunted room mm -hmm. in the Stanley Kubrick movie, Room 237, which is apparently the most haunted room in the entire hotel. So this documentary was all everybody's theories about, hey, the, the Kubrick movie was secretly about how, him convince, confessing that he helped fake the the moon landing. Right. In, and so we've talked about those kinds of theories we of The have. Shining. That's worth seeking out if you haven't seen that documentary before. I'm not really sure where it's streaming or anything, yeah. but when that came out, we weren't as a society bombarded with like upsetting conspiracy theories. Okay. So there was still a novelty to hearing people's like very um, low stakes conspiracy theories about a movie. What a great way to put it. Low stakes. You when know, you're watching. So you're, you're not used to hearing people say super outlandish stuff at that time. Yeah. Um, now, I, you know, it depends on who you yeah. are, but I, I am used to seeing that. So at the time, I remember when we watched it or when I watched it or whatever, you know, it would be somebody pointing at. Um, a ski poster and being like you can see that this is meant to represent the minotaur yes and the minotaur in the story and it's like what the yeah it's it's things that completely you'll be like cocking your head like michael myers right. watching this documentary because you're trying to see what these theorists are seeing mm -hmm. in the movie there's a point where somebody goes all right now pause the movie here and it's one of the initial sweeping helicopter shots and they're like you can see stanley kubrick's face in the clouds right and you can't or at least I couldn't. It's that it's that and quality what would that, mean? that quality of theory. Super fun. So go check that out in yeah. episode twenty. Mm -hmm. I don't know if we did all of them, but right. they're there. Um, uh, but if I can contribute a conspiracy theory of my own, oh please. The following is not intentional. Okay. You and I are presently recording episode three two seven of Guide to the Unknown, oh, which itself is an anagram. Of 237, the most haunted room in the Stanley Kubrick version. What could it mean? What does it mean? Oh, my God. Perhaps we were also responsible for the moon landing. Probably. Um, all right. Okay. Okay. Here, here's a simple thing that I had to say. And I just an, realized I have something for this section, too. Okay. For like a nonsensical... Kind of. Shining adjacent almost yes, section. certainly that. Well, let me at least just shout out uh, to our listener, Heidi, who mm -hmm. suggested this episode, and yes. it was a terrific suggestion. And another shout out goes to Matthew, who knows oh. exactly why we're shouting him out, and yet we will not say it. No, of course. Matthew definitely um, led our ship across choppy seas that allowed us to watch the doc i mean the miniseries in an unconventional way we fly our black flag with a skull and crossbones on it in honor of matthew apparently we are saying why <laughs> <laughs> all right what's your what's your non non sequitur shining comment okay dick halloran yes is the original casey becker tell me i'm wrong <laughs> <laughs> oh wow wait a minute why okay because he you know 
So Casey Becker in Scream is Drew Barrymore. Yeah. You're thinking that the movie is going to follow her and then bam, she's dispatched like right away. Oh, I see. Yes. Mm -hmm. Dick Halloran, while not killed right away, plays this part in the story at a certain point where you're like, oh, he is going to be our savior. We're seeing his long journey to get from his place in Florida that he goes to during the winter back to the Shining Hotel in Colorado. Yes. Like they're they're drawing it out. It's a whole thing. So you're like, this is gonna be so satisfying when he gets there and saves them. In the movie, he gets there and is immediately killed by Jack. Yes. Yeah, you're right about that. You're yeah. right. You, it would lead you to believe if you didn't already know. Yeah. And that's one of the tricky things about The Shining. I guess we should say spoiler alert. Yeah. And I guess I'm a little late on one of those spoilers. But. True. Spoilers throughout. Part of the problem of even the topic we're covering this week is who doesn't know The Shining? Yeah. Everyone knows this story. Pretty Somehow. Much. Everyone knows here's Johnny. Yeah. Right? Uh, and Maybe and some youngsters don't. I'm sure. Yeah, of course, youngsters may not. Mm-hmm. But I do feel like it's so famous and so parodied. Yes. That it is largely just... You, you hear the the name The Shining, and it's you basically like common knowledge. yeah, you know the whole thing, which I think didn't do favors in 1997 when they were trying to do a new version for television. I think that is absolutely true. I think that that kind of damages it. However, on its own merits, it does also suck. Oh yes, I know you have to treat it like its own animal. Yeah, but that which o- sucks. That is a shit animal. <laughs> <laughs> what the what a shitty animal that 90, yeah. 1997 miniseries. But we'll get there. But yes, what you're saying is true. If you didn't know, you'd think that Dick Halloran was the hero or something, mm-hmm. or would uh, be a, 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 a huge factor in the story. Yeah, like when he gets there, he's going to be a main basically yeah. for the rest of it, and he's not. He's not. That's shocking. You're right. Yeah, that is pretty shocking. Yeah, yeah. it's like if Drew Barrymore mm-hmm. went through the whole movie, you thought she was going to be your protagonist or your hero. Right. Yeah. Um, all right, here's the last outlandish thing that I have to say, mm-hmm. and this helps tee up for anybody who may not be super familiar with The Shining. So I wrote, The Shining is, of course, about a family that stays the winter in an old hotel and things go poorly. <laughs> there's a kid there's a kid who has the ability to see ghosts and bit by bit the veil between the living and the dead gets thinner and thinner ready for the the weird thing yeah which is possible to simulate that thinning of the veil today thanks to a new product from apple yes I found a way to shoehorn this yeah, in. I already told Kristen this theory, so I, I, but I needed to tell the world. Right, had to find a way. And I, I genuinely think that The Shining is actually a pretty decent venue for me to say the following. I've been, I like technology. Mm-hmm. And I've been very curious about this new Apple headset. Not to get it, it's $3,500. It's crazy. But Apple got into the VR headset space, and I've been very curious to see how tech reviewers feel about it. And there's a piece of technology on the new Apple headset, and I promise this is related, um, that I think you could point to and say, this is what ghosts are. Uh-huh. So you buy this $3,500 Apple headset. You put it on your head. Yeah. You can't see through it. You're looking at screens. But there are cameras on the outside that can project an image of the room around you on the lenses you're staring at. So you're looking at a screen of the world outside yeah. the mask. Here's what Apple did that made me think about ghosts. There's a, a tech reviewer named Marquez Brownlee. Uh, I think his YouTube channel is called MKBHD. Sweet. And he was showing off this headset, and in particular, a feature called people awareness. <laughs> Here's what Something happens. Something I don't have. I, well, 
if if only we did yeah no. we might be able to see ghosts if you're in the vr headset and let's say that you use the headset and you transport yourself to say the overlook hotel mm -hmm. you want the headset to make it look like you're in the colorado lounge at the at the overlook hotel great if somebody walks into the room, the real room that you're in in real life. Yeah. And an actual person, not like a party guest from the New Year's party. Yes. No, a real person, your coworker from the office next door comes in and sees you wearing the Apple Vision headset. The Apple Vision Pro, the cameras on the outside will acknowledge that a person just entered the room. Mm -hmm. And in your VR space, it will sort of part the clouds. Yeah, so what you're seeing, basically, from your view, it parts the cloud so you can see a person. Now. And now you can see the person who has just entered your office. <laughs> People awareness. It's your headset going, there's someone here, let's make them visible yeah. to the user inside this mask. And I say to you, that's an amazing piece of technology, yeah. but I feel like, weirdly, that's a technological metaphor for what people think ESP, the ability to see ghosts may be, mm -hmm. it's not people awareness. It's like spirit awareness. And if you're attuned yeah. to it and you're willing to part the clouds to let it in, you can actually make contact with the other side. Yes, that's it's what, what I think. It's what Danny is doing in The Shining. Yeah. When he's seeing spirits, it's like he's where everybody's wearing the Apple Vision Pro. <laughs> They're just seeing the overlook. But Danny's got the spirit awareness that lets him see through the yeah. Overlook Hotel. He has the people awareness setting on. Exactly. And nobody else does. Exactly. Yeah. Now, I, what do you think of that? I haven't I heard. Agree. I haven't heard a single person say this about this piece of technology because everyone's <laughs> focused on the technology and not the and not on the metaphor, not for the, the supernatural, not the ghost metaphor angle, which <laughs> I'm very interested in. No, I think it's a great metaphor. But it's the, the Shining. The Apple Vision Pro yeah. has the Shining. Yeah, it does, and it can let people into your VR <laughs> if it notices them, if yeah. it senses them. Right. How strange is that? It's weird. All right. Enough yeah. of enough of all that. Let's enough let's literally get into it. I know. Enough nonsense. Let's, yeah. let's actually talk about The Shining. Where do you want to start? I actually think I would like to start with the miniseries because I think that it's most likely that people who are listening don't know a lot about this. Yes. And I think it's to that end, most likely that everyone's very familiar with the 1980 Stanley Kubrick movie. Right. Um, well. This uh, is quite a piece of something. This is a real piece of work. Yeah. Um, Will, <laughs> so you hadn't seen this before. I... I hadn't seen it, mm -hmm. but I was familiar with it. I'd seen clips of it. Yeah. Um, I knew that it was mocked. I had no idea. What I said at the top of the show about people reviewing it positively when it came out, that was news to me. Until, That's shocking to me. Until like yesterday or the day before when I was researching. Yeah. I, I just thought that this thing was born crap. I absolutely thought that. What was your experience watching it? How did it wash over you? Okay. It's a three-parter. Mm -hmm. it, it was three nights of television. Right, two hours each night. Yeah, yeah, without commercials, like an hour something. It's like an hour and a half, yeah. So it's almost twice as long as the movie. Yeah. I think it's too damn long, <laughs> honestly. So... They let it breathe way too much. Wow, do they? They like... let it breathe to the point of almost having dead air. Absolutely. They do the same thing over and over in this movie. They have the same essential fight repeatedly which excuse me not in this movie in the miniseries yeah they have the we should get out of here no we shouldn't fighting inappropriately in front of danny yeah like five times yes and yes. i would say it is maybe three times too many i could see doing it once and being like all right fine 
like I'll let you have it this time. And the second time it's like, no, yeah, that's enough. We got to get the hell out of here. Here is, I think, part of the problem. Mm -hmm. So the 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 miniseries, which is directed by like horror royalty, Mick Garris. I know. Uh it it's old television. Well, yeah. You know? Nineteen ninety seven, which doesn't feel that long ago to people of a certain age. Sure, but no, it's a long time ago. It's almost thirty years ago. Yep. And it's before the period of time when most people consider television to have gotten good. Yeah. This is before Lost. Mm-hmm. It's before The Sopranos. How about The West Wing? Uh, it's probably during The West Wing. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, yeah. It should mm-hmm. probably be better. Yeah. It should be but... better. I, I'm not gonna. I, I'm not gonna make a million excuses for it, but I do think that this miniseries was firmly produced at a period of time when people considered television to be subpar, or at yeah. least beneath films. Oh, definitely. And in today's parlance, it's it's, it's almost hard to think about that tiered yeah. system because everything has become so it's totally mushed now it's totally mushed like like movies are movies and they're in theaters but they're also released to streaming and mini series can be incredible i mean yeah. look at mike flanagan's series work like oh my god absolutely um but this is this is before it got good i know so in a weird way i almost think that they're doomed by the time period doomed by the budget and for what you're saying about the repetitiveness of all the fights i think they're doomed by the commercial breaks yeah. I think, and I don't know this, but mm-hmm. I think some of that repetitive nature might be because, well, hey, what if somebody turns on the TV halfway through? I mean, maybe. You know? That could certainly be. What I, if somebody I, didn't see part one and they're seeing part two? We've yeah. gotta we've gotta at least restate a core conflict of one of which being, should we stay or should we go? It could be, but also then you can make those a little bit shorter or something. Oh God, yeah. I also imagine that with Stephen King as a producer and this being made basically in response to yeah. the movie, I think it's not impossible that he wanted this to be somehow bigger than the movie in a way. This is now a three-night experience that you get to have as opposed to a movie. Yeah. Because I think that logically you could obviously chunk it down to movie length. Right. um, But even if you wanted to have it be multi-night, maybe two nights. I know. I think it absolutely could have had an hour and a half chopped off of it. Yeah. Um, there, there are lots of things that are in the book that aren't in the movie, The Shining, that pop up here. Um, and I don't always know that it's really that necessary. Like the, um, the wasp's nest thing. I think it's kind of cool. Yeah. But even, I just feel like everything goes long. Everything gets super drawn out. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. I mean, we've also lived with the book for so long. Mm-hmm. We re- we reviewed the book pretty intensively on an old podcast we did. I love the book. So uh, if if this didn't already exist and I hadn't seen it um and I heard oh somebody is making a mini series of the shining based on the book, which honestly could happen again I, in the world. Uh, to, I honestly think I wrote down I think it I think it should happen. I would be I happy think that there's tremendous too. potential for a faithful adaptation of the book yeah. with modern storytelling conventions and budget and awareness of what the audience expects and 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 wants. I agree. That's my whole point. I I love the source material. Twenty twenty seven is going to be fifty years mm. since the book was first published. Yeah. If you want to find a time to start working on this, it's literally right now. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. But there's just something about the execution 
so, a lot of somethings about the execution. Yeah. Um, that just feels like a clunkeroo. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And it's tough. It's tough to be compared to the movie. I wonder if I would feel better about it without the movie to compare it to. I think I might feel a little bit better if if this was the only version of The Shining that I could watch. Yeah. I don't think I would think it was great, a masterpiece or anything, but I think I'd be a little bit less eye about it. Yeah. So here's here's one of the ways that I approached this in my notes. Mm-hmm. And it's I think what you're one of the things you're saying right now. This the Stanley Kubrick movie is too big a juggernaut. It's humongous. It's humongous. Even if it wasn't reviewed well when it first came out, no one remembers that. You can yeah. only I, I only told you that as like almost like a little party fact. Yeah, it's like a curiosity. And so even by the time that this was in production, it was, people already were like, okay, that's an amazing movie. It was legendary. Yes. The Stanley Kubrick movie. Um, so here's here's what I wrote down about the Shine Shining 1997. I wrote, How can it stack up? Right. And here are the different things that go into a movie. Not all of them, but just some buckets of, of things. Can it tell a better story? Does it? No, it does not. Does it? Is the directing better than Stanley Kubrick's? No. Is the editing better? No. Is the pacing better? Absolutely not. Is the score better? No. Is the acting better? No. Are the scares better? No. So. I do like the makeup. I uh, I will say okay. I, I like the makeup I guess in a maybe a one percent of irony way or something yeah um but I do like it it's a little bit like Carnival of Soulsy yes with it's people that... where it was like they look like they were like powdered with a giant powder puff yeah and then they had black eyeliner drawn into their eye sockets yeah somebody took that huge puff like that. and just on yeah, your exactly. face and then little doodles of charcoal around your eyes. Boom, you're a ghost. I do like that. It, like it is charming, but it, mm-hmm. it does give it this goosebumps feeling exactly. rather than being scary. That's a great yeah. way to put it. It is goosebumpsy. Yeah. This, it's like the goosebumps or are you afraid of the dark version of yes. The Shining, which I love, Yeah. but have an audience that's very specific. If you want me to be an adult and watch this, it feels like you're watching a kid's thing. If you're yeah. watching Are You Afraid of the Dark, it feels like you're watching something relatively mature for its audience absolutely so it's like the opposite end it's a little too kitty yeah for the adult material right which is weird i know that is tough but so of all those things story directing editing pacing score acting and scares none of them hold a can't not one of them there's nope. not even it's not even like a measure of you know well at least at least it's <laughs> at least the story is really really good. Yeah. And to that end, the story is the most damning one. Yes. Because the story is the driving factor here. Stanley Kubrick read The Shining and then made his version of The Shining. Right. Cutting out a ton of stuff. He cut out the notion that uh, Jack is obsessed with the history of the hotel because of this old series of books. Um, he cut out uh, 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 a lot of the ghosty stuff jumping out at Danny. Like there's a, a fire hose that leaps out at Danny, and I hate that scene. I think it's really stupid. Yeah, and, and they also they keep teasing it, and I was thinking like, so it's a tease. As I'm saying this, I actually am going to go back on it, but I'll just tell you what I was thinking. It's a tease to anybody who read the book because you're going to know what the deal is. Yeah. They keep teasing it. They just keep like looking at the fire hose or zooming in on it. Yeah. I was thinking if you haven't read the book, like you might be like, what's going to happen with this fire hose? Is he going to have to like climb down it yeah, right. or something? Yeah. Like, a diehard moment. They're going to yeah. have to wrap it around their tummies and yeah. leap from the roof. Or is it going to wrap around him and he's going to float in the air? A little bit of a Radioland Murders moment. Ooh, not against it. No. Uh, Radioland Murders keeps coming back up in my life. Really? Yeah. <laughs> is and it I, me saying I would it? like to, it, partly. Yeah. 
But I would like to look at Radioland Murders at some point. Flame, I'd love to. Okay. Okay. I have a question for you. <laughs> and I don't mean to be cruel. I feel like even asking a question is cruel. What do you think about Steven Weber as Jack Torrance? I'm going to say something incredibly controversial. I think I might. Okay, go ahead. Okay. If you if on the face of it, mm-hmm. the Steven Weber face of it, <laughs> you're playing the role that Jack Nicholson made iconic. Right. Here's Johnny. Now you're the new Johnny? Terrifying. Johnny 2? Yeah. The <laughs> tale of two Johnnies. And there's you have no shot at living up. Of course not. So why try? Mm-hmm. And I think after having only seen clips of this thing and knowing that Steven Weber is the the like Bobo version of uh, uh, Jack Nicholson's character, right? He, you know, he had nowhere to go but up in my estimation. Absolutely, I liked him, William. I feel the same way. I I'm I wasn't expecting you to, yeah. but I'm very glad to hear it. I uh, I think he's pretty good. High five! I, I, th- really I think do. he's pretty good, except for yeah. when he's joking. When he whips out that W.C. Fields impression, he's like he's like checking the bar and like the electronics. And I was like, oh, hello, my little chickadee. I know. Another chicken. electrical glitch, I guess, put on the electricity, my chickadee. And I'm like, wow. I know. Put the W.C. Fields impression away, Mr. Weber. Step away from, from the, the W.C. Fields impression. I know. He has yeah, some comedy lines, and that was brutal. Absolutely. But I think overall he was good. In terms of a human mm-hmm. adaptation. Now, one of the big things. He plays. I'm sorry. You go ahead. Well, I wonder if we're going to say a, something similar. Because I know that Stephen King, one of his major complaints about Jack Nicholson mm-hmm. is that he seems crazy from the first minute. <laughs> and it's true. It does. I remember you and I watched it, I guess like a year ago, and I hadn't seen it in, let's, I don't know, I watched it a lot, let's say a year or something. Every year but, when it's snowy out, I like to watch The Shining. Pretty much. Yeah. And um, we were watching it, I was like, oh my God, he hates Wendy, like he, immediately. This guy hates his family yeah. so much from the first second. There's no surprises here. When well, they're driving up and Danny is like, they're talking about the Donner party, which is fun and, and creepy. Yeah. And then uh, uh, Jack says they had to resort to cannibalism. And Danny goes, you mean they ate each other up? And Wendy goes, where did you hear about that, Danny? He goes, it's okay, Mom. I saw it on TV. Jack. <laughs> I know. Jack goes, it's okay, Wendy. He saw it on TV. He's got this huffing and puffing, and later literally Will as the Big Bad Wolf. Yes. But he's got this like. He's, He's got an air of extreme menace. Yes. And and I so, would never feel safe around this guy. If you read The Shining, Jack is incredibly human and you root for him, even though, again, the reputation of this story way precedes itself. Everyone knows here's Johnny. So you know that this man's gonna turn into a monster. Right. But somehow, even when I've read the book, I go like it almost feels like he was an inch from redemption sometimes. Yes. Yeah. No, totally. It's very sad. I mean, it's, it's heartbreaking. It's honestly sad overall. Like I feel sad for him because yeah. he's like really trying. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's p- particularly in the miniseries sad for Danny. Cause he's growing up in this like really abusive, abusive household or, oh, yeah. you know, family structure. Cause not really in his house or whatever. Right. Um, yeah, it makes me sad. It's really, yeah, it's really awful. But in the Jack Nicholson version, 
he's so just entertainingly i mean he is charismatic when he's trying to interview yeah yeah yeah. right and and he's like putting on like a good face for the man tuck it away Mm -hmm. but but he hates his family from minute one and steven weber is able to bring out more of that he's just a guy Yeah, you can see, like, why they're together. You know what I mean? Yes, Oh, you can really see why they're together. They clearly have an extremely sexual connection. (laughs) Wendy is dickmatized, no question. What? What Never heard that before? I didn't make it up. Hypnotized by the D. What? What? This is disgusting. It's true, though. (laughs) How dare you say this to to me, to our audience? (laughs) She is. There's no question. Like, I I think that Oh, that they're that's, not missing it. That's what actually. he's been missing. That's something um, that Stephen King added in the teleplay is they repeat constantly, kissing, kissing. That's what I've been missing. And then at the very end of the movie, when Danny is graduating from high school, he sees an apparition of Jack. Yeah, because Jack has perished in the Overlook, uh-huh. and um, he says out loud, Jack blows him a kiss. And this kid, for all intents and purposes, is now frozen on stage in front of everybody, not moving. And he, like, takes the kiss to himself and says, that's what I've been missing. I know. Get to your seat. Mm. You need to go. Take that diploma back. Yeah. <laughs> if you're, the, if you're the, the man in the flat hat or whatever. Yeah. Whoever, right. Whoever's on that stage that gives out those, <laughs> the flat those, hat, those curly the... pieces of paper. <laughs> whatever those are the man in the flat hat should just take what the do you call those i have no idea the little Grad- hat graduation, graduation cap yeah i guess so cheese it hat yeah you just take back the paper from danny absolutely because he free it's so weird yeah you're freaking everyone out dan yeah. <laughs> get out of here <laughs> but no i thought he was good I, what i was gonna say before is um one of the things i thought he played really well that jack nicholson i would say didn't even attempt to play so it's not even really a comparison yeah um, is him getting irritated by uh, people bringing back up things that he's done when he was drinking and stuff like that. And yeah. like having that flair of like, you won't let this go sort yeah. of thing. But just a little bit, like not even necessarily, he does plenty of this, but not even necessarily lashing out at Wendy, but just seeing that like strange, like darkening of the eyes when you can tell somebody is like irritated about something, but they're going to like put it away for They're going to try to swallow it. Um, yeah. I thought he was really good at all that I, stuff. I, I liked him. I really think in yeah. some way, I want to say justice for Steven Weber. I would say I, justice I think... for Steven Weber. He's by far... Um, not the worst thing about this. No, I totally agree. I totally agree. Let's let's actually continue with the cast. Yeah. Uh, so in the original Shining, what who do you want to go to? Kristen just got like, a wry smirk on her face. Cortland Mead. Cortland Mead. I know. This is a shame. It is. What can you do? There's nothing to say. Danny Lloyd, I believe, is the name of it the is. the the actor who played young Danny Torrance in the 1980 movie, mm-hmm. who is fantastic. He's great. And then Cortland Mead sort of uh, rolls onto the screen here. and Yeah. Fresh off his romp <laughs> with the Little Rascals, I think. Is that right? Or maybe just pre. I'm not sure. He played a kid named Uh-huh. Uh, oh, he played Uh-huh. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. sure. Um, he no longer acts. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, it's tough. It's, it's tough. tough. You're a kid. It's hard to act. Listen, there's plenty to say about Cortland Mead, so I don't think we should say any of it. I agree. Um, but it's it's rough. Yeah, it's notable. Uh, okay, Rebecca De Mornay. I as, thought that she was good as Wendy versus Shelley Duvall. So um, I love Shelley Duvall as Wendy. They're very different characters. Yes. They're like completely different Wendy's. Yep. Um, I liked Rebecca De Mornay. I thought she was fine. Yeah. I, I thought she was like totally okay. Mm-hmm. I think she suffers the most from the repeated 
exactly what so. you were saying about the, like the repeated fights. That's like her main. Jack has thrust. other stuff to do beyond that because he's exploring and he's going in the basement and he's doing other stuff. Wendy exclusively focuses on Danny and arguing with Jack. Right. That's like all it is. It's is all like she gets to do the whole time. Comforting Danny when something horrible happens to him, whether it's a function of the Man. hotel or her and Jack. There's a period of time. You ever see Freddy got fingered? <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> there's, there's like a. Do you know that Freddie Got Fingered is on the Criterion Channel now? Shut up! I swear to God, it I is? saw a tweet, which means it must be. It's got to be I... a joke. It's got to be. Yeah. It's got to yeah, be. Yeah, it's got to be. What am I talking about? I know. Damn it. I know. You're too gullible, and I know it's got to be a joke. I mean, listen. I already know. Yes. But I also. Hmm. Is it possible for no some way. reason? No, there's no way. It's definitely a joke. There's a running joke now. I haven't seen Freddie Got Fingered since it came out. I know, Daddy, would you like some sausage? <laughs> Everyone knows, Daddy, would you like some As ubiquitous as, here's Johnny, is Daddy, would you like some sausage? But uh, uh, there's a running gag in that movie of a little boy that's like, hey, hey, Tom Green. And then he gets like hit in the face with a baseball. Uh-huh. And you think that it'd be like comic silliness. But then when they cut back to him, his like teeth are hanging on his lips and his face is, bl- it's like too gnarly. Oh, God. And th- that's what it is the whole time. I think that he gets like he gets like dropped through helicopter blades by the end, or like they really. And I, I was watching Danny in this movie, and I'm like, oh my god! Like every time we talk to this kid, every time we see him, like Jack clunks his head into a toilet, and <laughs> the, the woman in two three seven grabs him, and oh my he's god, constantly. Even um, honestly, even Wendy. <laughs> is inappropriate to him she's kind of um there's a word for this i can't remember what it is but basically like treating him as an adult or like a third in the parenting right yeah yeah yeah. she'll be like um so is your daddy drinking again is he working on his play like leave the kid out of it yeah and then i know that there's like a, a crazy situation going on or whatever and so you're in the moment but she's she says to jack that she will kill him in his sleep Yes. In front of Danny. Yes, she does. I'll kill you in your sleep. Yeah, like, you gotta tell the kid to go to another room or you have to go to another room. Yes. You cannot keep doing this in front of this kid. It's totally true. It's totally true. It's incredibly inappropriate. Also, he says, sit on it and rotate. He does. <laughs> he does. So there's something, this this speaks to a larger point. I think that the damage that this miniseries does is greater yeah. than just making a bad miniseries. <laughs> it paints the Torrance family as a bunch of nerds. Absolutely. They, they're driving they're a huge losers. They're driving up to the Overlook and someone's riding their bumper mm-hmm. and Danny says, "I think you should sit on it and rotate." Which is on it and rotate. Which is crazy to say. That is a wild thing to say. I think even if Jack said sit on it and rotate, I'd be like Oh my god! And rotate. I and rotate. Well, because it's the Fonz would say sit and spin. I know. You know, but still, there's something that's a little bit more descriptive and evocative about sit on it and rotate. It's so strange. It's no, they're humongous losers, and then and even... then the car pulls around them, and Jack rolls down his window and sticks three fingers out and goes read between the lines. Absolutely devastating. Which is like humiliating. It, yeah. It's it's one part. You know, this television censorship, which there are several moments where it's like they have to watch their language. Yeah. And instead of coming up with similarly brutal language that just doesn't have the like F the word F, yeah. or whatever, they, they, they'll like self-censor. Mm-hmm. I can't think of a great example of this, but like somebody will say like, shove it. You should shove it. Yeah. Take this job and shove it. Right. Something like that. And it, and it, it's a weird moment. She doesn't, it's not said naturally. Oh, you know what he says? He says something like... Instead of the word effing, he says, like, 
this bitchin' place. No, that makes it sound cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But something like <laughs> this that. This place where, is bitchin'. <laughs> <laughs> he says bitchin' instead of fucking. Oh, excuse me. I'm, Whoa! Sorry, William. One per episode. Oh, that's yeah, why we're okay. still PG thirteen. You're right. Okay, good. Um, but yeah, and I was like, excuse me, that's not how people talk. Yeah, yeah. And then another instance of them being, I think, inappropriate in front of Danny and also being complete losers is when they pull up to the overlook and they see all the topiaries. And Jack says to Wendy, like, Oh, I trimmed topiaries for a season or whatever. And she was like, Oh, you did? He's like, Oh yeah, I love to trim her topiaries. I trimmed her topiaries every week. And it's like, I know that you're speaking in code in front of him, but don't even do that. That does come from the book. I don't care. That is in the book. But well, no, something about the reading the book, yeah. which is also gross, because it's yes. got Stephen King's sex scenes, which are always, whoa, whoa. Yeah. But there's something about reading Stephen King dialogue in a book where you can provide your own context, or like he says it under his breath, and he's sort of miming, like, I know this is stupid, but I'm saying this pun. Oh, but no, when no. they just say it as a direct, like, isn't this hilarious to say? Yeah, it's a joke. It comes across so lame. In front of your child. This miniseries makes the book look bad. Yeah, it does. If this uh -huh. was supposed to be the, no, 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 this, you all got the Kubrick version, and that's the wrong version. Let me show you what my stuff's really about. Yeah. And this is proposed to be the new good reveal of how the shining is supposed to be it actually makes the book yes. seem real worse you are absolutely correct this is a terrible infomercial for yes. the book terrible now william before we move on i to know talk more because there's plenty to say yes we got to make sure the people know some things oh sure sure tell them tell them such as that we have a Patreon that you can find at patreon.com slash pod. This is the home of our whole second podcast, The Netherworld Dispatch, that also comes out weekly. That comes out on Mondays. Guides Can Known comes out on Fridays. You can bookend your week with the two of us knuckleheads. Yes. We have a bunch of different tiers that you can check out and see what works best for you. We also have a Discord that you can join when you join our Patreon. So it has these bonus episodes. It also has commentary tracks for... All of the Twilight movies, yes. all of the Scream movies, mm -hmm. the Blair Witch Project, and Book of Shadows, the Blair Witch Project 2. Or is it just called the Blair Witch 2? Book of Shadows, Blair Witch 2. Yeah. I don't know why you can't remember that completely normal name. <laughs> I was close. So sign up. Go check it out. Patreon.com slash pod. The Netherworld Dispatch is a blast. Mm -hmm. um, the most recent episode of it is 149, which we titled Family Favorites Gone Rotten. <laughs> We looked at the trailer for the new Winnie the Pooh Blood and Honey sequel. Yeah. A sequel to Cinderella that's a slasher. Something else as well. Uh, I don't remember. I don't know. It's I, okay. We missed we missed some that I read about today. Oh, actually. Steamboat Willie. Steamboat Willie. Oh, yeah, God, that was terrible. Steamboat Willie Steamboat Willie is like the original Mickey Mouse. That's how it fits in there. There's a new movie com coming out called like Goldilocks something in porridge i saw that yeah i know i don't know blood and porridge whatever yeah i it, it, it you know i wanted to coin a term because mm -hmm. i want to be polite people are trying to make stories of course but i had this thought you know people refer to something as being high concept yeah like a high concept horror movie which means that it's pretty out there and pretty lofty yeah ambitious mm -hmm. how about how about low concept horror? that honestly sounds good to me Low like concept. Like, if you told me something was low concept horror, I'd be like, I'm listening. It's Winnie the Pooh, but he's going to kill you. I'm more 
<laughs> yeah, I guess just at the entry of the words before I know anything else. You tell yeah. me, oh, I've got a high concept horror movie we could watch or a low concept horror movie. I go, oh, let's watch the low concept one. Yeah, you're right. And then when you tell me that it's Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey, I say no thank you. But for marketing, mm. yes, 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 that's great. Low concept. Yeah, low concept comes across more positive than I intended to be. Yeah. I'll have to well. go back to the to the drawing table <laughs> on that one. Now, I do also want to say this. Mm -hmm. uh, we've been uh, getting reviews uh, from people trying to lead up to review number 1,000. Uh, as of this moment we need less than 10 oh we need eight i think we right? need eight reviews i think maybe even seven. Oh my god thank you all so much thank for leaving you. these reviews this we're, we're talking about specifically on apple podcasts yes but review anywhere that you listen yes so whatever thank you so much everybody who's done this and here's a wonderful review that came from mama frog 11 fun no matter what the topic it says hmm. weird thing is i'm not actually a horror fan I found them through one of their episodes about folklore, and I loved their enthusiasm and personalities, so I subscribed, and I've been enjoying all the topics, including the horror movie reviews and game playthroughs, which are a Patreon thing. Yeah, yeah. I used to work with a friend that loved scary movies, and I would ask her to tell me all about them because I was too scared to watch, but I wanted to know what the storyline was. I don't work with her anymore. But now I have Chrissy and Will. Ah, I love that. I'm also learning about Lifetime movies and reality TV, which is almost as scary. <laughs> Highly recommend. Disagree. Give them a try. Five stars. Oh, that's a really nice review. Thank you so thank much, you. Mama Frog. Thank you. Thank I you. I love thank that. You. And I love your name. Oh, Mama Frog. That was nice. All right. More about The Shining and The Shining. After this commercial break. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Okay. Yes. So we have spent a lot of time on the miniseries. I could go on the miniseries like for the whole episode. I know. What do you want to do? Do you have any lingering thoughts about the miniseries that you want to get out before we talk about the movie? Do you want to keep going about the miniseries? I, you know, here's, let me, I'll answer your question with a question. <laughs> I formatted my notes thusly. Yes. So I, I watched The Shining and I had a, a ball with it. Yeah. The, the 1980, The yeah, Shining. I I, I, I love that movie, but I'm it's so great. familiar with it. It's almost like not watching a movie. I know. I Yeah. You know, there's there's nothing to criticize about it anymore. Whatever whatever criticisms I might have had have been sanded off by familiarity. That's a great way. To I just that. know it inside I and out. I remember what I might have thought. Yep. Yeah. Um, but because The Shining 1997 is so new to me. Right. Your palate um, is discovering all these new flavors. It is. And I think that comparisons to the original will come naturally anyway. I think so, too. But here's how I structured my notes, which I think you might like. Okay. I bucketed my feelings into the following categories. The good, the bad, and the weird. <laughs> <laughs> and I had yeah. a theory. I had a theory, and I don't know if it bore out in my notes. I can sort of uh, see how it does here. But however many notes that I have under the good, mm -hmm. are they outweighed by what I have in the bad and the weird? Right? That's, yeah. And it's like, That's the was there more good than bad? Was there more good than weird? Sure. And just Maybe. at a glance, the weird outweighs 
really either category, good or bad. <laughs> yeah, I absolutely agree. It, it's not, it's certainly not good, but it's primarily weird over bad. Yes, yes. Yeah. I, I, I think tonally, like a big overarching bad for parts one through three is the vibe. Mm -hmm. This is a bad vibe series. Yes. There's something about the score in particular, which is a very like, it's a, a choral, mm -hmm. it's like a, a woman's voice angelically just been like, yeah. ha, ha, ha. like there's no right spe specific feeling you get from it other than I guess we're in heaven. It's kind of generic. <laughs> it's very generic. Yeah. But it's also so quiet because it's just a voice making noise. Yeah. I have this feeling that I always hated um, when I was a kid. I, I never wanted to go to bed. Mm -hmm. I would stay up you know, till like four in the morning, if I could, it's yeah. just stay up until I fell asleep basically. Yeah. And television after like two in the morning, I don't know if it's still this way, mm -hmm. but in a quiet house where everyone's asleep and you're watching TV, something about the sound of some things just comes across really empty. Yeah. And it makes you feel alone well, it could be and uncomfortable it, and not in a good way. No, I know. It could be partially because you have to turn it down because you don't want mom and dad to wake yeah, up. Yeah, maybe. Because I would also... I would pretend to go to bed and then come back downstairs. Sorry, mom. Yeah. And uh, watch Unsolved Mysteries and stuff. And I didn't want the TV on too loud. And it always felt so different, strange. didn't it? strange. Yeah, I liked it, though. That was an, in a good way, I have to say. Yeah. Here, there, but... there's just an empty quality mm -hmm. where it's just like everything is very echoing. And it doesn't make it feel like I'm at the overlook. It doesn't make me feel like I'm claustrophobically part of the lock-in or something like that. Yes. It just feels empty. And so it's interesting. Part of the thing about this miniseries is, is that it was filmed at the Stanley Hotel, yeah. which was the inspiration for The Shining. Which is so, awesome. Which is awesome. However, <laughs> I kind of think as a setting for the movie, and honestly, I think this is mostly in comparison to, I said the movie, as a setting for the miniseries. I think that this is in comparison for me to what's in the movie. Yeah. Uh, it feels, it doesn't feel quite as like rich and like grand as totally. what was there in the movie. It feels a little, and by the way, I think it looks awesome. I would love to stay there someday, but like it feels a little hollow and yeah. you're like kind of like knocking around this place. There aren't, I mean, this is silly to say, um, there aren't a lot of like carpets and rugs and stuff like that. So I have like bare floor. Interesting. It's a little bit spare where the um, overlook in the movie is kind of lush and like maximalist in some ways. And um, yeah, it just, it, I think it adds to that feeling of emptiness. And you know what's weird? What? It's tight. Mm -hmm. When you think about the Stanley Kubrick movie, like you think about that Colorado lounge or oh, whatever. Yeah. Uh, maybe this isn't the Colorado. Oh, no. And I think I am thinking about the Colorado Lounge where Jack has his typewriter. Yep. And it's got like 30 foot high ceilings. It's humongous. It feels cavernous, but yes. it doesn't feel empty. It feels old. No, like it's creepy, but there's still kind of like a warmth to it. Like it doesn't look like somebody somewhere you would walk in and be like, Ugh. I know. Like and I think some of that here. is the quality of the film. I think that's probably how it's true. shot. But in, in, in the new one, new one. In the, in the, well, the, it is the it newer is. one in the yeah. 1997 one. It's like, yeah. yeah, like the front lobby is like a regular, like 10 foot high ceiling. It feels kind of basic. Yeah, it's like a normal hotel, which could be creepy, absolutely. But it just but it just doesn't it come it comes across small, sparse. Yeah, small and sparse. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, and even um, I mean, what can you do? They had to kind of animate them and stuff like that. But deciding to omit the hedge maze of the movie for the topiaries that come alive that are in the book 
and so in the miniseries also kind of is a minus on the grandiosity scale hard agree that that hedge maze is incredible it's menacing yeah it's enormous i feel like um stephen weber gave himself a little jack torrance in the hedge maze moment uh when he was outside he was like cleaning off this like weird i don't know like toy house like a dollhouse or something yeah it's a miniature of the hotel i always yeah. loved this in, in things i've always wanted to have a miniature of this house i love miniatures i love that um but yeah it's funny because it's like kind of sized like a dollhouse but a little bit bigger or whatever but anyway he's just kind of like cleaning everything off outside because he's the caretaker and he starts to feel the topiaries kind of like looking at him and turning on him and stuff. And he also has a vision of, as opposed to the broom that he was using to clean off the dollhouse, he sees the mallet. Um, yes, instead of the yes. axe. So yeah, from that's the Kubrick movie, thing. it's it's a, a croquet or roke mm -hmm. mallet. Yep, that's his weapon in the book and the miniseries. So he sees that, and he's kind of like freaking out, like he wants to get back inside, and maybe it's just me projecting but i kind of think it was he's sort of doing like a little limp up the hill oh, while he's really? holding the mallet and i was thinking that he kind of he did that as a little bit of a a nod or just like a fun moment for himself or something i didn't catch i it, mean i don't know how many ways you can probably like limp through snow while holding something big and have it not look like that sure yeah but i don't know to my eye i was like oh he got a little, little i'll moment. tell you what i, I wouldn't be against some self-awareness mm -hmm. there's like a... i mean he would have to in real life he seems like a nice guy he totally does he seems he seems clicked in so i like that's why i kind of think that maybe he would do that yeah did you happen to watch that clip you told me about it, but I haven't seen it. I saw a clip, and I hope I'm not misrepresenting it now, but Stephen Weber was, in the last few years, on a podcast. Michael Rosenbaum Yeah, the guy who played Lex Luthor in Smallville. Yes, and Sorority Boys. <laughs> Lest we forget. Don't forget about Sorority Boys. <laughs> Harlan Williams pulling hair out of a girl's drain and doing, doing a Chewbacca <laughs> sound. I never could. <laughs> so... <laughs> so uh, uh, Steven Weber's on this podcast, which is about actors talking about the experience of being in the industry. And it, it, it starts with them being like, and then you did the shining, right? And you had to do like the Jack Nicholson thing. It's like, yeah, well, that's the thing. We didn't want to do Jack Nicholson. We wanted to do our own thing. And I was like, this is interesting. I'm, I'm liking hearing yeah. Steven Weber talk about his experience redoing the shining, but making it his own. And within minutes, it becomes Michael Rosenbaum and some other person who's in the room going, what's your favorite moment from The Shining? I like it when Jack does Here's Johnny. And they're not being ironic. They just start complimenting the Kubrick movie and complimenting Jack Nicholson while Steven Weber is just sitting on the couch now being like, all right. He's probably guess, just smiling on going like, yeah. I guess we're off me. Yeah, I guess we're off. I guess we're off what I did. <laughs> like, we're, we're done with that. Maybe I, also... I don't need to be in the room. I also saw him, um, Kathy Griffin has salons, has like dinners where she invites like who she thinks will be an interesting mix of people over for dinner and they're not allowed to have their phones at the dinner so they have to talk and things like that. Like you on this show. Kristen doesn't have her phone. She, she left her phone at home. I my phone at you're, home. You're at my salon. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, Stephen Weber was there and they she filmed them just doing the go around and introducing themselves. It seemed like a nice guy. How often do you think people ask him to say, here's Johnny? Never. Is there any chance? Never. That was a, an improvised line, I think, from Jack Nicholson. It's not in the book. Right. Do you think there's any chance someone asked him to say, here's Johnny? No. Maybe like one guy in 1998. If I ever meet him, I'm going to ask him to say, here's... <laughs> he didn't mention it. They were they were going around Give and Give me a Johnny. Like... If he's on Cameo. <laughs> Throw me a Johnny. Throw me a Johnny. Um... I keep thinking, by the way, I can't stop making the same joke in my own head 
of like, here's Johnny's, because there's two of them. Yeah. And it's like a sequel to Alien, where it's like, now there's more aliens. There are more Johnnies in the hotel. You know, now there were two Johnnies. <laughs> Run, Danny. Do you remember how Entertainment Weekly used to do these like really awesome photo shoots? Uh, in general, like they're just look up like Entertainment Weekly photo shoot for like any movie or TV show that you liked. There's probably a sweet one. And then in like later years of the magazine, because it has since gone only online, they would combine people from things or they would do like reunions of sorts or whatever. Um, basically, I'm saying, wouldn't it be weird if Entertainment Weekly did like a Johnny and Johnny um, cover? Oh, I with, would love it. <laughs> with Jack Nicholson and Stephen Webber. Can you fit Henry Thomas in there? Because, you know, Henry Thomas came back in Dr. Sleep yes. and wore Jack Nicholson's wig. Yes. And some weird eyebrows. Good question. There are three Johnnies, you know. You're absolutely Don't right. forget about the third Johnny. I'm picturing back to back and then Henry Thomas <laughs> poking out the side. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Let's let's make it so. I Make it so mode it be. Okay. Okay. Um, uh, what the hell were we talking about? I don't know. Have you also ever seen... Uh, we're talking about Stephen Weber is good and seems like a normal guy. When he's running from those topiary animals, yeah. they look like Zoe's uh, spinach bites. <laughs> <laughs> so my toddler, Zoe, loves Dr. Prager's broccoli bites. And when she we does can't like the get, spinach bites, though, too. When we yeah. can't get the broccoli bites, we get the spinach bites, and they're a little extra green. They're really dark. And it looked like Jack was running from some spinach bites <laughs> we out have, there. We had, those are my freezer right now. <laughs> this You're movie right had no chance to scare me. No chance. <laughs> There's not a single thing it did that even gave me a hint of a chill. That's so funny. Um, it's like Dr. Prager's was chasing Jack. Yeah, you have enough room and like leeway in your brain to think that. Yeah. If it was like really engaging or scary, you wouldn't have the room. No, I'm checking the time. Yeah. I'm checking how much longer we have left. I'm thinking, how am I going to cram in three more hours of this before we're recording? I know. I'm thinking... I want to watch Single White Female again. Have you ever seen Single White Female? Stephen <laughs> Weber's in that? No. Oh, okay. At least there's some connection. <laughs> That's a good movie. <laughs> just has no connection. Oh, man. He dies in a crazy way. Spoilers for Single White Female in three, two, one. Um, somebody throws a stiletto at him. And oh. And it gets stuck in his forehead. That's him. And he dies. Oh, yeah. that's cool. Mm-hmm. It's a good movie. Um, well, whatever. I was going to talk more about some white female. So. Do you want anything from the, the weird file? Yeah, of course. Here are some things that I wrote down as just generally weird. Mm -hmm. um, uh, when Jack yells. <laughs> you could just end it there. No, when Jack yells. And this, again, we've been very complimentary to Stephen Weber. I still feel that way. I didn't intend to read this, but it is the note that caught my eye. Yeah. When Jack yells, he sounds like Jerry Seinfeld yelling. He kind of <laughs> goes like this, Danny. Yeah, I could see that. It's kind of like, I'm getting pretty pissed off. <laughs> like how Jerry can't come off angry. I could see that. I don't mean to denigrate what we've been complimenting, but that did stand out. Of course. Uh, here's something from the weird file from part one. Uh, uh, some of the dialogue is just really rough to hear spoken out loud. By God, you'll take your medicine, you pup. Okay. How much pup talk is going on in this three-part series? I can't believe how much pup talk. I know that that is a thing from the book, so I'm basically just repeating you. But yeah, it hits the ear so wrong. Yeah. They drive that point home so often. Like, I don't think any real person would be saying pup no. as often as he is or as often as his father did. No. Like, maybe it's in your rotation, but for that, for that to be the main thing, and by God, you'll take your medicine, you're never switching it up and being like, God damn it, Danny. Yes. It's always, by God, you'll take your medicine. Like, 
you want to hear the medicine notion handled right, it's mm -hmm. in the the Mike Flanagan Doctor Sleep. Maybe the yes. director's cut, where Jack is now it a is. ghost and he's like, life is a blackboard, and this is the eraser. Mm -hmm. He pushes the whiskey and he's like, a man's got to take his medicine. Like it, it comes across so much more for foreboding than being like, you pup, you'll take your medicine. It's just, it's a weird mixed metaphor. Why is it a pup taking medicine? What's going on? <laughs> what are we talking about? You're absolutely right. It I've just never all... <laughs> even questioned that. Why is it a pup taking medicine? It's so strange. I don't really popping my peas. I know um, he's a pup because he's young. I know, but... It's, and sure, it's, they have to take medicine sometimes. Sometimes Lord everyone knows does. My yes. pup takes tons of medicine. Yes. My pup has epilepsy. But, uh, uh, here's a line I wrote down, and I don't even remember the context. Mm -hmm. Ready? Right. Okay. At some point, Jack says this. If I have to break this log, Dan, you're going to bed with a hot butt. Oh, I know. <laughs> I know. I don't know what that is. I do. It's um, when Danny is in the bathroom, and we haven't even talked about Tony. But Tony oh my appears God. to Danny in the bathroom mirror, and then he goes into, like, he basically has a seizure, and so the bathroom door is locked, and he's in there. And so that's supposed to make Danny want to open the door, is that you're going to give me a hot butt because yeah. you're going to spank my butt, and then it's going to make it hot. hot. I thought he was going to hold a candle under his cheeks. <laughs> also, another thing that happens that is so goddamn sad with Danny is when, okay, so they're like trying to like, the elevator is jammed yeah. and they're trying to get it. And like Wendy goes in, she finds some bloomers and like flicks those at weird. Jack or yeah. whatever. And then they find a party mask and Danny puts on the party mask and says that it it's just easier to be someone else. When mom yells or when you hit, it would just be easier to be somebody else. I was like, oh my God. That's brutal. <laughs> oh, it's It's rough. Brutal. It's rough. I did. I did appreciate of all the back and forths of should we stay or should we go, mm -hmm. in because it's a three part series. They and they do take their time. Um, they're not snowed in until yeah. like the second half of part two. Mm -hmm. And in part two, um, there is a conversation where Wendy's like, "This might be it. This might be our last chance to go." Yeah. And yeah. I, I mean, and that I think makes we sense. should go. Yeah. And th that time it felt especially real to me. I was yes. like, the stakes here are right. Totally. Maybe cut every previous conversation about this and just have it here. Mm -hmm. This is it. If we don't go now, we can't go. Yeah, it, it's a, a nature-given ultimatum. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, uh, anything else? Do you want, do you want weird, uh, good or bad? Um, I, I still want weird. Still want weird? Yeah. Um, okay, let's see here. Oh, this is weird, but in kind of an interesting way. I don't remember if this is in the book, so I could just be completely wrong about this. Dick Halloran takes Danny outside to load his car. Mm -hmm. And then he's like, try to talk to me. Try to say something to me right now. This is another thing where we should maybe temper our words around children in the in the miniseries. He says that Danny almost made his head explode. Huh? In a, when when Dick is having Danny like try to like yeah. shine at me right now or whatever, and Danny like blows out the back tail light or whatever, he's like, Oh, if you did it any any louder, my head would have exploded. Like, I think he's being hyperbolic. No? I don't know. I, I don't really. Well, he is being hyperbolic, but like he was being kind of intense where again, I was like, can somebody treat this kid with kid gloves? Yeah, I know. Yeah, they really don't. Like the thing had just exploded. So it no. was really not for a child so far uh, away from reality. To, yeah, like, you're right. Something's exploded. Explode. This man's head could have burst off his shoulders. Yeah. I remember we reviewed the book in four hour-long conversations oh my God. on our old show, Book Club, Schmook Club. We mm -hmm. chopped it into four because it's so big. And I remember you really reacting to a moment in the book where Danny's like, I'm five. 
doesn't it matter that I'm five? Uh, I'm just a kid. Like he's like desperate. It's like he has a moment where he's just like, this is too much for me. I'm noticing as a kid that you're being messed Yeah, up. exactly. Yeah. And oh, man. Yeah, it's interesting. Anyway, that same moment where he goes in his own mind, he shines and goes, hi, dick, and almost blows up his head. <laughs> I don't remember if that's in the book, but I, I do know. think Stephen King would later reuse that in Dr. Sleep. Yes. I think Abra... I think you're the right. The young kid shining protagonist of that book mm -hmm. meets grown up Dan Torrance and says, hi, Dan, and almost knocks him off his feet. Yes. Yeah, you're and totally right. I was really intrigued to see like Stephen King had another bite at telling the shining story in his script for this version. Right. And then used it for the sequel. I like that. I, I, re I really liked that. Yeah. I liked that quite a bit. Yeah. All right. Uh, good, bad, or weird? Um, give me a little good. We'll just do a couple more. Yeah. yeah? Um, okay, Wendy throws a croquet. She's trapped in the in Stuart Allman's office, the uh -huh. manager. She can't get out. There's yeah. a window in the door. She's got a croquet ball. Mm -hmm. She throws the croquet ball through the glass window to break the glass so she can reach through and unlock the door and escape. Yeah. Runs into the hall and steps on the croquet ball and immediately falls. Oh, God. It's like Kramer. Yes. It's like she instantly <laughs> throws the ball, gets out, and slips, slips on, on the ball. ball. It's the silliest thing in the world. And they they cut that out. <laughs> yeah. It, like, it, it really made her look... Like a doof. Like a dunce. Yeah. Yeah. A real dunce. I know. They're not really doing Wendy much justice no. in this. You know what I mean? No. Like, she's, yeah, making kind of these silly moves. It seems like she's going against her instincts at, like, yep. every turn, which is definitely understandable. And you want to believe the best of people. Yes. So, like, he when he talks her into staying... She does, but mm. it's tough. It's some rough stuff. Yeah. Uh, here's here's a great example of television, I think, not being the right venue. At this time, network television especially. Right. Not being the right venue for this story. Jack is talking to the ghost of Delbert Grady, I think, mm -hmm. the former caretaker who killed his family. Mm -hmm. And he says, my wife, Wendy, personifies the three Bs. Yeah. And I was like, here we go. We're going to get a bad word. Definitely. And then he goes, blonde beautiful and full of bull i know i was like oh full of bull i totally thought it was gonna be bitch. are you censoring yourself in front of this ghost <laughs> yeah jack you talk that way this just like with your friends in private or in a ghost world full of bull my wife's full of bull the old ball and chain is <laughs> like it was very television yeah yeah that's really just goofy. don't even say that because totally. it, it highlights that something here is abridged or muted or yeah. something it just doesn't feel authentic definitely he's um, being a monster absolutely and yeah but he won't say the s word in his most monstrous form i might kill my family and bury him in the yard but i'd never say one of the four letter words no like what what um speaking about like other cast from the hotel did you notice that the guy who kind of like shows in the ropes at first i guess it's like the acting caretaker at the moment or something is um the commissioner from batman <laughs> Pat Hingle. Pat Hingle. Yes, yeah. I did notice Pat Hingle. Did you notice Melvin Van Peebles? I sure did. As DeCalloran? I sure did. It was a star-studded affair. It really was. Did you notice that Pat Hingle could not stop blowing his nose boisterously? From the book. Oh, okay. From the book. I, I started, for context, I started rereading the book. Okay, okay. Yeah. Partly for this, partly just because I, I want to now. I'm not yeah. sick of it. I just like it. I'm really not either. And I haven't read the, the book in a long time. I haven't either. But it's like, you know. Have you ever listened to the audiobook? No. I haven't either. I know that Will Patton 
mm. does the uh, narration of Doctor Sleep. Yeah. Which might get me to listen to it again. Okay. I love Will Patton reading books. I don't. You don't? No. He talks like this. He talks right? like an old Southern gentleman. <laughs> I know. I, I don't like it. <laughs> it's like being tucked into bed by Grandpappy. <laughs> or um, over at Lake Wobegon. Yeah, over at Lake Wobegon. <laughs> the bullfrogs are singing their tune again. <laughs> I, uh, oh, good God. Yeah, but in the book, he's being taken around to the boiler and stuff. And at a certain point, he stops describing that this guy keeps blowing his nose in a hanky. And it starts becoming, there it goes again, hanky blow back in the pocket <laughs> it just, just says that periodically <laughs> it's so strange it's funny um okay why don't we let's do a bad let's do a bad and then maybe let's let's end with a good yeah i yeah. like that let's yeah. do a bad we'll go down into the pits mm -hmm. and then we'll come back up we'll into rise the light. from the ashes okay here's here's a bad and it's a big bad that runs throughout everything and it okay. speaks again to our notion of like what if you just had some self-awareness mm -hmm. part one of this miniseries is all set up. Yeah. It's fine. There's a lot to set up, but it does make it very slow. Mm -hmm. In order, I sense it for sure, without knowing for sure, Yeah, that they wanted to at least remind people while we're talking about getting a car and driving and going to the hotel and who's going to stay where and what is the how does a boiler work. Yeah. They were like, but this is also supposed to be a scary story. <laughs> So let's just have, you know, like a door close by itself in the background sometimes. Oh. <laughs> it's like yes. 50,000 times, especially in part one, somebody leaves a room and then the cupboard, the pantry opens. Mm -hmm. and it's like, I know there are ghosts. Totally. You know there are ghosts. Can yes. we stop playing this coy, subtle game of they're, they're going to be here soon. Just please don't leave yet. I promise ghosts might show up soon. 50,000 oh, beats. That's interesting. 50,000 yeah. beats of like... And then the toilet flushed on its own. It's like, it's <laughs> not scary do. enough. We all know The Shining. Find a new way to structure the story that can instantly hook us and instantly get us to some stakes. Please. By all means. They do a reverse poltergeist where all of the chairs in the, um, in like the ballroom or whatever come down off the table yes. rather than the chairs all stacking on top in the movie Poltergeist. Yes, you're absolutely right about that. But I know. And also they, that erases any ambiguity that the movie had, which I think is kind of one of the most interesting things about it. Like, yeah, I mean, you know, it's haunted, but there is still that part of you. It's like, but Jack is a live wire anyway. Yeah. He seems to be becoming undone. How much of this is that this place is just haunted? And are there parts of it that Jack is exaggerating yeah. because of his like mental state? Yeah. And they... here that is completely wiped out because right. You keep seeing just like cabinets slam. And stuff. I know. Yes, it does. Yeah. Weirdly, by overtly constantly hitting you over the head with there are ghosts. Right. It complicates Jack, his internal struggle. Mm -hmm. and, it, and it's still an interesting story. Right? Yeah. Like I, I do like, and, and I'm really intrigued by the notion of like, Jack has a weakness and the, and the hotel is going to exploit it. Mm -hmm. He is recently, he's given up drinking mm -hmm. and he really wants a drink. And the hotel sort of knows that that's the right thing to push. Right. To, to win him over. We can curry favor with this guy. And or it's, push him further and further to the edge with this thing. Like, yes. Though, tell me you want this chaos. Yes. Which, again, I mean, maybe it's kind of the thing of, like, the idea of some ghosts or entities or whatever feeding off of emotions. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's going to stir you up into, like, one of the most extreme emotions, not just you, but your family. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. like, that's the way to get our battery 
powered as much as possible. We're going to get the most juice out of these people if we get this guy drinking again. Yeah, no, that's it's it's really true. Mm -hmm. And like that's an interesting conflict, but it's it's a, a very subtle weird conflict because yeah. it's both ghosts are evil and you need to uh uh I don't know, be able to to stay on the wagon, mm -hmm. right? And so it's both an internal conflict of Jack, please don't give up fighting. Right. And well, but the hotel is also pulling the strings, so it, it yeah. gets it gets murky. Yeah. And it in the the Kubrick version, keeps putting it in front of you. And like one of the things is that you want your environment not to be um, facilitating you falling back into yeah. these kinds of habits or whatever. Like you for a while. So like I I stopped drinking six years ago. You like don't really want to be at first like around places where like the drinks are flowing yeah so it's like right in his way yeah yeah it's, it's in tough. his face and it, at first yeah there was no booze mm -hmm. in the place at all yeah not and even then cooking the, sherry the ghosts are able to somehow manifest it or is it like a psychological thing it becomes know. a metaphorical act giving him whiskey and him drinking it it's him taking the leap yeah into giving up right which serves their purposes. Totally. Which is a really interesting conflict. And it comes yeah. evidently from some place of real truth for Stephen King yes. of, of being an alcoholic and a drug addict and trying to overcome these mm -hmm. dependencies. And like you feel it. You feel it in the book. Oh, yeah. And I, so I definitely remember that from the book. I was still drinking when I read the book last. And it was like just whenever I read kind of accounts of like alcoholism or something, I just always knew that I was going to have to face it at some point. I'd be like a little uncomfortable reading i'm like oh god this is gonna have to come down the pike for me at some point and i just remember it was like written really well <laughs> yeah it, it, it yeah you, you again i think it plays to the entire idea of like you're you're pulling for this guy yeah yeah and and i get i definitely get whiffs of that from the the tv version yeah and i think it, it's um well not that pro of nothing but on the subject of it i think that dr sleep does that whole arc really really well yes with it, uh Battles with drinking. I think it's so good. The movie version, especially. The movie, I mean, not the yeah, book. The, well, maybe the book, but I'm talking about the movie. The book, I mean, both versions of Doctor Sleep I have major mm -hmm. issues with. Yeah. But the movie in particular weaves in some of the book shining themes. Yeah. In uh -huh. a really interesting way where it's like somehow Doctor Sleep the movie is a sequel to the Kubrick movie, the Stephen King book, and also uh, an adaptation of the book Doctor Sleep. <laughs> but somehow on top of that yeah a remake of the shining yes. at the end yes. somehow and ties but it together movie it really it made me want all of this there was just not me enough too. time but I, I i after all this i want to rewatch it i do too i actually really like dr sleep the movie i did not like the book but i do like the movie i remember yeah I don't, our our initial thoughts when it first came out are mm. on the netherworld dispatch yes and i it's don't episode three yeah i don't remember what i said I remember I I liked it. I was into it. Mentally, right now, things age over time, right? Yeah. One of the questions I most wanted to ask you about the Kubrick movie, again, because everybody knows it so well, is like, mm -hmm. how does it sit with you now as we're getting older and, and at different points in our life? Like, mm -hmm. previously, I might have related to Danny, and now I relate to Jack. Yeah. You know, like, movies can change based on how... The perspective that you bring to it. Yes. Yeah. A and uh, I think for Dr. Sleep, for me, it's aging better. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. Um, but uh, all right, let, let's. No, I was just gonna say I I feel the same. You really like hit the nail on the head. It's so weird that because I've seen The Shining so many times and it's just kind of its own thing. Um, I think you said like time has just sanded off yeah. the edges of any criticism you would have. It's almost just like I don't know. Just it, it's just a, a 
not perfect, but just like a thing that's there. Yeah. And I almost don't have opinions on it. Uh, yeah, I accept it all in its entirety because yeah. I've seen it a dozen or more times. Right. And I and I like it. Mm -hmm. And if I didn't like anything in the past, yeah, it's changed now. It's been defanged because I've been exposed to it. Because now it's, it's so exposure therapy. Even yeah, if there was something I didn't therapy. like, I, I it's fine. And it's like it's so familiar that there's like a fondness in that familiarity. Yes. Yeah. So I have okay. two final things I think to wrap this up. Gorgeous. The big bad that you called out, the big bad of this thing that I think is the big bad worth mentioning is Tony. <laughs> Shocking. It was the treatment of Tony, the imaginary friend, the boy who lives in Danny's mouth. Even though I knew it was coming, I was I didn't know. shocked. You did? I did not know that this was coming, and I almost threw up and fell over, to use our mom's phrase. <laughs> did mom say that? She did. Yeah, I, yeah, I almost yeah. threw yeah. up and fell down. Yes. <laughs> I, keep, I love that so much. <laughs> I know. It was really funny. You didn't. Oh, my God. I William. no idea. What must have happened to you? I was watching it with Al. Uh -huh. And now, listen. I didn't have to convince Allie to watch this, but yeah. there certainly was like, she was like, yeah, okay. You know, she, there was a reluctance because who wouldn't too. be reluctant? And then I didn't even watch this, this part two and three with him because I knew he wouldn't care. When Danny first sees Tony, like visually, yeah. when we see Tony, I, I almost leapt up off the couch. I was like, Allie was like on the couch watching, but I knew she had her, she was knitting or something. And I, I just was like, did you see that? Did you like, it was like, it was like I saw a ghost. I was like, what was that? Did you see did that? Did that happen? Because Danny is standing at this like viewing platform where yeah. they can see the hotel off on the horizon. Well, that's not even the first time. It's not the first time? No, the first time is that he's swinging on the swing set outside of his house. Or it's, it's like a swing oh, you're right. yes. hooked to a tree or whatever. And Tony appears floating next to a traffic sign. This it's crazy. And then he like does a wipe on the sign so that it's now the poison symbol. So it's like the skull and crossbones. And then he does another wipe. And then the sign becomes black. And we zoom into it to get a vision of scary things to come. It's shocking so we can't even verbally i don't even think we can do it justice it's shocking to see someone hover look it up i bet there's a clip on youtube or something. it's not quite you know how like they make people hover sometimes by hitching them at the back of the pants yeah and you no, can kind of tell that they're hung from the waist no it was a guy <laughs> who was standing and they used whatever technology of 1997 to like superimpose him yeah into the middle I think of they the had screen. a forklift right up under his cheeks <laughs> and just lift him off the ground because his legs are dangling like, like a ventriloquist dummy's feet oh yeah they are dangling just like pathetically yeah. dangling legs he's just like hey damn yeah, and it's maybe... like you're so shocked to see this dangling man maybe he's sitting on the very edge of a platform that's what i think it looks yeah. so it's absolutely nuts to the eye silly yeah it looks so it doesn't look scary <laughs> It, or no. I don't know what you're supposed to be feeling right now. I don't know how you could even move I on. I simultaneously <laughs> had tr a tremendous burst of adrenaline oh, and I emotion bet. and no feeling at all in my body. <laughs> <laughs> you're supposed to move from seeing this guy floating to like a scary scene. And it's like, I'm still reckoning with Tony. I'm still trying to make sense of this floating man. I'm not ready for whatever you're going to show me. Boy, is it rough. They should have had an intermission just after Tony for everybody to just yes. get their bearings again. Now, in the book, I believe Tony does the same thing. But again, you're, you're, you bring your imagination to it. So yeah. if you're picturing somebody floating, you don't have to contend with 
the budget of television and do we get a, a forklift up this man's grundle to make right. him <laughs> levitate off the ground. Right. You just create a vision that makes sense to you in that moment. Yes. But how it's made to happen on this television, on my TV screen, <laughs> right. on my CRT television, <laughs> it was a shock. How could it not be? But on the topic of Tony, I just need to applaud once again. You're Stanley Kubrick. You've got this kid who's got an imaginary friend, Tony, and you go, oh, I know what I'll do. He's a little boy who lives in his mouth. <laughs> and he Incredible. Talks, and he wiggles his finger whenever he talks to Tony. And he does the voice. Where the hell did this come from? Hello, Mrs. Torrance. How do you invent That's this? Amazing. Sounds like Eric the actor every time. <laughs> he does sound like Eric the actor. Every time he talks to Tony. I did not have turkey. For dinner, you <laughs> asshole. Everybody knows who Eric the actor is from Howard Stern. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> it, it's, oh my god! What an invention! Absolutely, what a, a, his mind. A triumph. Maybe he did fake the moon landing. That triumph. could only happen Maybe. from a mind a that would come up with Tony, the little boy who lives in my mouth. He's a genius. He really, and is. it creates this wonderful moment with Dick Halloran, where Dick's like. You got the shining. I got the shining. I can tell you all about it. This is comforting. Don't worry. I know everything you're going through, Dan. And then yep. Dan's like, what about Tony, the little boy who lives in my mouth? And they cut to Dick and he's got this millisecond look on his face of like, wait, what? How do I do this? This is new. <laughs> this You found something I didn't know about, Dan. You found something I've never heard well, of. Well, you've stumped me. The little boy who lives in your mouth? What? <laughs> so... Which which is the the awesome? Which is the better version, Raj? I mean, I mean, let's keep the people have been in suspense this whole time. Yeah, right, What's right, the right. verdict? King versus Kubrick. Believe it or not, Kubrick. Yeah, it's a great movie. It's a, a great movie. Are you gonna Are you gonna watch the miniseries again? I don't know. Maybe you already for some reason have seen it twice. So what's happening? You doing yeah. a third one? Uh, actually, no, I don't think so. This is so. uh, going to be a no from me. I think that's it. I think I might watch the I'm occasional satisfied. clip on YouTube someday. Yeah, exactly. I'll never like, say never, but... Uh, no, I did a quick flash to like, you know, kind of like fun parts or uh -huh. something. But you must remember that those were coached, couched in four and a half hours of uh, yeah. crap. So I don't think so. Yeah, no, I think this might be one and done for old Bill. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> might be a wrap. Yeah. But I loved... Oh, I loved, loved this experience. This experience. I love talking about it with you. Me too. I love sharing it with all you good folks out there. Yes. And if anything, I genuinely think the the greatest compliment that I can pay to the 1997 miniseries is that I actually think for how rough it is, mm -hmm. I do think that it makes a really solid case for readapting the book. Yeah. I yeah. think that there are it could things be done well. There are things that work about it. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was limited by its budget, the time, the expectations of television, the commercial breaks, the network television of it all. Right. And I do think that today you could make a much, much better adaptation that is of the book. And, yeah. and, and you know, in a world where, you know, people just want content on their streaming services. Mm -hmm. You got the 50th you anniversary of the book coming up. Yeah. I say go for it. Oh, yeah, I'd be happy to see it. Okay, green light. All right. Green light. I green lit it, so now somebody go do it. Yep, so thank you all so much 
for hanging out with us. We hope that you enjoyed your time. If you did, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts. Again, we need less than 10 reviews. We want to see that 1K. The reason we want it is because when people, you probably have this experience too, when we cruise around looking for podcasts and you're thinking about checking something out, when you see something has like a thousand reviews, you're like, oh, what is this? I haven't heard of this before. This must be legitimate. Yeah, right. <laughs> we want a bamboozle. Little do they know. We want to fool the masses. We Help us trick them. Yes, that's exactly what we're asking you to do. But also, even if you don't use Apple Podcasts, that logic still holds everywhere yes, else. Yes. So if you could Spotify has show, stars. Mm-hmm. Please, please. We would greatly, greatly appreciate it. Yep. Uh, similarly, hit up patreon.com slash pod. Follow at GTTU pod on all social media. Be kind to the network, Bloody FM. Check yes. out the other wonderful shows uh, that we now sit beside. Mm-hmm. And yep. follow us online as well. Yep, I'm at Chillin' Kristen. I'm at The Myth Traveler. So we'll see you next week for more scary fun. Mm-hmm. But until that time comes, we must travel. Back to the netherworld, go we. And I usually don't say anything of substance yeah, after the little song, but the Netherworld Dispatch on Monday is also going to be Shining stuff. We're going to literally look at clips of parodies of The Shining and stuff. Yep. So check that out too. Yeah. Red rum. Red rum. I didn't have turkey, <laughs> asshole. <laughs> Did you have turkey for lunch? That's no, what Howard says. I Save big money on everything for your next project at Menards. Spring is here making it the perfect time for outdoor projects. Suncast storage sheds are an excellent solution for protecting outdoor lawn and gardening tools. They're easy to assemble, and the all-weather construction provides water resistance and UV protection. Save big on Suncast storage sheds. View our selection of Suncast products today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big.